Welcome back to the Tactical Adidal Podcast. This is episode one and today is the 30th of December 2018. My name is Knox and I'll be your host for the Tactical Adidal Podcast, a podcast about Warhammer 40k kill team. Firstly, before we start, let's just thank you. Our sponsor, Pandemonium Games, for their support for recording equipment, bandwidth, and place to record, and a great place to play Kill Team as well. You can check them out at uh, www.pandemoniumgames.co.za. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, if you listen to episode zero, we just gave a brief preamble into what the podcast is going to be about. Uh, episode one, like I said, I'm going to go through my journey through Kill Team starting with my first full game of Kill Team, and actually actually before that, when Kill Team released, and my thoughts on it. Uh, not that I'm kind of a specialist of any kind, but just my thoughts on the game coming from the outside as like an old 40k player, but rather just someone who's playing 40k Kill Team, and see from there. So Kill Team, the first time I saw the game was in about, I think, April or May of 2018, and the starter box arrived. Uh, at Pandemonium Games, and it was the Gene Stealer Cult versus the Admech, I think, Adeptus Mechanicus. Uh, that's the starter set which gets you the rule book and your terrain and two almost two full kill teams, I believe. I think they're both 80 or 90 point kill teams. And um, I remember looking at it and I'm like, mm, I don't know. At that point, I was still considering playing Infinity, and uh, which is another skirmish game. And I wasn't too uh, amped about Kill Team. I uh, I went a little quickly through the game and just like, okay, played a little demo game, played it horribly wrong, right? I didn't enjoy it at all. I think in retrospect, it's more the fact that it weren't, they weren't my factions. I don't like Gene Steeler cults, neither do I like Adeptus Mechanicus at all. Um, and I'll go through the list of actual factions I like. I think there's about six at the moment. And we'll talk about other problems with regards to Kill Team. So, played the game, and uh, I remember distinctly playing the fallback and charge rule incorrectly, meaning you fall back and then your opponent charges you again. Um, totally not reading the rulebook as a standard wargamer. And all in all, I enjoyed the game because it was quick, but I didn't enjoy it because the factions, like I said, it's not my kind of factions. I'm like, oh, Genesis Steel Cults, yeah, not really exciting for me. And I'd make them like, okay, if I wanted to play machines, I'd play Iron Hands or Necron, which makes more sense rather than people who are worshipping essentially a Necron god on Mars. Spoiler. Um, that said, fast forward to seven weeks ago, eight weeks ago, I get told that there's a campaign starting for Kill Team and I said, okay, I'm really empty to try it because at that point, I'd gone through the rule book and seen like, oh, you can play so many different factions and there's so many, like, there's things that appeal to me. And I panic by something because I'm, I've never assembled a miniature before. Let's just get this clear, right? I'm very new to this. So I've only done push fit miniatures. So before this, I was playing Whammer, what's it, Whammer? Underworlds, the Shade Spire, and now called Night Vault, uh, which are all push fit miniatures. So you cut them off the sprue, you just clip them together or push them together, push fit, obviously, and they work. That's it. You can paint them if you want to. I'm very lazy as well. But there was no, like, cutting or gluing or anything. You could use glue on the pushfoots to keep them together indefinitely. But, I mean, if you didn't want to, you didn't have to. You were totally fine. Uh, and that was my experience. Because, like I said in the previous episode, my game before this was X-Wing, where everything was pre-assembled and pre-painted. So you didn't have to worry about that kind of thing. And I realized I had nothing to use for a Kill Team campaign. 
and you asked why would you do a kill team campaign if you didn't like the actual demo of kill team and for me it was just it's a nine week campaign in split into three three week blocks and i think that would be give me a good feel for what the game is like because it's a, a set schedule of one game a week roughly or whatever you want uh, and you get to play the faction you want for that campaign and get a way to feel for it so getting into like how i started then so what i bought which i panic buyed uh panic bought not buyed but it's not a word or buy is a word uh i bought the first strike box which if you don't know comes with six uh space marine models and oh i think it's could be nine death guard models i'm not 100 percent sure and i'll tell you why so the space marine models you get three reavers and i think it's a reaver sergeant and two genetic reavers and then you get the three intercessors a sergeant and two genetic intercessors but they're very standard in that there's no customization and they push for it so you know right up my alley totally fine with this right that's a full kill team right there that's six models you can use that for kill team right you just get them out differently the thing is you can't really change if you're getting WYSIWYG WYSIWYG another thing i've learned is what you see is what you get just so anyone listening hi welcome to 40k kill team there are lots of abbreviations and made-up things that people have just used over the years and are now part of the game. So WYSIWYG is one of those things. when you What you see is what you get. So if the model has a rocket launcher, we assume it has a rocket launcher and not a plasma rifle. Unless, you know, you've told your opponent ahead of time. So the intercessors all come with bolt rifles, I believe. And the reavers come with combat knives and bolt pistols. So there's very little actual customization you can do there. Then... You get a Death Guard faction as well, which is really nice. And it's three Death Guard models. I think one has a Blight Launcher, one has a Bolt Gun, and the leader has a Plasma Pistol Power Fist and a Sword, I think. I'm not 100% sure on the Sword. It could be a Knife as well. And then you get, I think, six Box Walkers, which are bodies, essentially. They don't do anything. All right. Um, that's actually really good value if you think about it. I've just I've got about what fifteen models there. If I'm correct with the box walkers, I'm not sure if it's nine or six. It could be less, maybe it could be five as well. Um you've got I got a full Adeptus Astartes kill team out of that. So I've got three reavers and three intercessors, and that's what I used for my campaign. And we'll get into how the campaign goes because I eventually learned that that's not enough. And for me that was an amazing buy because it cost 430 rand south african because this podcast is in south africa i'm not going to give you a dollar value i got a full kill team for 430 push fit miniatures as well as death guard extra and there was a little measuring template and there was some dice as well so you actually get quite a bit of stuff like in that little box and the box becomes terrain as well which is really nice so i bought that and i said look i'm playing adeptus astartes is one of my preferred factions not death guard but adeptus astartes then what you also need to get is obviously the dice which i purchased as well and came in the set so i just supplemented that with dice i had and very important you need a measuring tape or some kind of measuring template which has inches on it because that's what you need because for some reason this game works on inches and then the rule book so the rule book is without a doubt the only actual thing everyone needs whether you're an old 40k player new kill team player new 40k player and you want to get into kill team you need the rule book you can buy the ebook from the games workshop website or you can order it from your flgs and they'll get you the book in stock so i've got the rule book and the rule book covers everything now there has been a, a, a designer's commentary that's come out 
just to change a few things and clarify a few things. But as a whole, the rulebook is actually fine. It has everything it needs, like all the factions, all the tactics based on those factions, except for tactics that are in separate boxes. So just a heads up with regards to that. So we'll get more into what's in actual boxes later on in the uh, other podcasts, later in the series. So that's my start. I've got a first strike box with a symboled Adeptus of Starters miniatures. I've got three intercessors, three levers, dice, measuring stick uh, or template, a measuring tape and the rule book. And I am sorted. It's very easy to get in. It cost me 430. I don't think there's many games where 430 gets you in the door. I may not be the most competitive, However, it gets me into the door and I can, I, can, I can actually compete in a campaign with these six models. I may not win the campaign, but, you know, you can compete, which is not a problem. So, fast forward, I buy that on... So, just to give you an idea, the campaign starts seven weeks ago on the Friday. I bought that on the Monday preceding that. Keep in mind, I've never played a full game of Kill Team at this point. I've only played that demo game in April, or May, I can't remember. And I'm really bad at the rules, I have no idea what's going on. I'm not even an 040k player, so I have no baseline to work from here. I'm like, oh, dice, I mean, people are saying 4 up, 3 up, if and P. I'm like, I have no idea what these things mean, you know, supercharging stuff, you know, 2d6, 3, whatever. I have no idea what's going on, right? So I'm watching a game of Kill Team. And you pick up a few things like, okay, there's move and there's different phases, which is really nice. And we'll go through the breakdown of the phases eventually as well, and why, it's, why each phase is actually important in this game. So, the Wednesday, I believe, or the Thursday, I play a... No, Thursday, it was the Thursday. The day before the campaign starts, I play my first full game of Kill Team, and it's our local player, Mark, who is also in the campaign. And Mark says he'll go through the game with me, he's very happy to teach me, and I'm very happy to learn because I have no idea. Uh, and nothing against Mark. Mark is a great player, he's a great guy, and I really enjoy like playing kill team against him. He's a font of knowledge, or fount of knowledge? Font? Font is a writing style. Fount of knowledge. Yes. Well, he has a lot of knowledge with regards to the game and rules and just how things interact. And our first game, he does not hold anything back. He's playing Adeptus as starters as well. Um, and I think that's maybe his, his version of holding back. And even in this game, it literally shows you what mods lacking with regards to what I own, but also bad habits that I developed over the years playing other miniatures games. So, like I said in episode zero, this is an objective-based game a lot of the time, where there are objectives, where the objectives are capturing people or points or breaking an opponent's um, kill team or killing everyone off the board or killing the leader. Um, <clears throat> it's an objective-based game. And I'd forgotten that going into game zero, essentially, my first ever game of Kill Team. And Mark obviously knew that, but I think maybe I'd made the assumption that, you know, it's going to be it's gonna be quick and stuff. It was a quick game, took half an hour, lost terribly. And the one model that really blew my mind, he had a scout sergeant as his leader, which is terrifying. I believe you can do that. So if I open up um, your Kill Team list builder here, let's see. Uh, yes, you can have a scout as a lead in Adeptus Astartes. And his scout had um, a sniper rifle with a camo cloak. So if you don't know, sniper rifles are range 36, heavy 1, strength 4, AP 0, damage 1. And on a 6, it does, on an unmodified roll of a 6, it does a mortal wound. And in addition to any other normal damage. All right. Uh, and the camo cloak is the finest part of this. 
the camo cloak is when an opponent makes a hit roll for shooting attack, the target's a model equipped with a camo cloak, and that model is obscured, that hit roll suffers an additional minus one modifier. Terrifying. So, and it's a scout, so he's, and if you don't know, I'll just go through it now because we're all learning here. The board size in Kill Team is 22 inches by 30 inches. So he's got a gun that can shoot the length of the board and the breadth of the board. I'm not sure about the diagonal distance, but he can shoot anything if he can see it. All right. Uh, and he doesn't pay the penalty for long range, so he can shoot anything he wants to. And I was just, it's 13 points. And I was like shocked, like, what? That's insane. Like, that just seems so overpowered. And obviously, naively, I thought that was like really overpowered. <laughs> we'll get to later games when you realize what's actually broken. And we'll hint at other factions and other people I've played. Um, so I was just shocked by this model, right? So he had this scout sergeant and he had normal tech marines. And I think he had an intercessor or two just sprinkled in there. And we were playing, I think it was faint. I'm not 100% sure. It's the mission where you have six points and he needs to... He was the attacker, I was the defender. And he needed to destroy or capture more than I had defended. Meaning there were six, he needed to get to four. I need to stop him from getting to four. Like three wins me the game. Right? And this is another nice thing. So when the game started up and I realized this, is that you have six rounds to do that. Right? And six rounds seems very quick but sometimes it's very long especially you make the wrong choices a lot of the time so i set up my models and i'm like oh i'm gonna set up everyone in cover it's gonna be great he's not gonna be able to kill me you see mistake number one there so he's not gonna be able to kill me you know i'm gonna survive and this is a bad habit i've learned from x-wing because x-wing is a dog fighting game nothing against x-wing it's a great dog fighting game the problem is that is your only win condition is kill more than you lose right Versus, I'm now playing an objective game, and I forget this, because in my setup even, I've messed up. So I've put guys in cover, you know, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be fine, he's not going to be able to do this. And turn one starts. And he nonchalantly strolls up to three different points, and I can't stop him. So I ready up my models, which is an action. So reading allows you to shoot first in the shooting phase, just as an aside. We actually should go through the phase of the game. But as it's game zero, I didn't even know the phases at that point. I mean, Mark was guiding me quite a bit. I was like, yes, mm, this does what? Great. And then I do? Okay, perfect. And um, to his, to his, I mean, a testament to uh, how good a teacher he is. He teaches mechanics, because I teach a lot of games as well. Um, he teaches mechanics. He doesn't teach tactics, which tactics you shouldn't teach people. Teachers, I feel people should organically when I say tactics, not the cards in the kill team game, but um, tactics like you evolving a strategy in a game. That shouldn't be taught, or unless it's like a discussion, like, oh, why don't you do this, why don't you do that, why do that, but not like you should do this, do this. No, the person maybe should organically discover that if I do this, this puts me in a better point to do this different, like line of thought or whatever. So um, he settles up to three points. I shoot at a guy. I think I hurt one of his guys, give him a flesh wound. But being adept as a start is, they have transhuman physiology. They ignore the effects of the first flesh wound, so it means absolutely nothing. Well, until you get the second one. And uh, that's turn one. So at turn one, he captures a point, and I'm like, oh, this is terrible. I'm okay, I've got five more. I'm going to be fine. Um, start at turn two, and I once again. I move, I think I move one of my intercessors to cover one of the other points just so that you can threaten where he needs to be. Because I'm defending 
30 on my side of the board. And he's got three on his side of the board. So I wanted to fit it in. I think the middle one is where he had a guy standing. And um, he managed to just pile a few guys around that thing as well. I shot into there. Managed to hurt another guy. But then he captured the point anyway because I've only got one or two guys. And you see my strategy is failing horribly. Yeah. And it's not, I'm not panicking because I read the, the, the scenario and it says, Oh no, he needs uh, more than... What I'm defending to win the game. And at the end of round four, you're going to die. And on a three, on a one, two, or three, on a D6, uh, the game ends. And then whoever wins that one wins. And I'm banking on that strategy. Not that we needed that long. So he captures another point at the end of range at round one. And all the time, his sniper is rolling insane. Like, I think he kills... I think he kills... At this point, he's killed one intercessor... And he's wounded another one. Like the intercessors, thankfully, or oh, adeptus start is the reavers and the intercessors are two wound models, which are very important. We'll explain why that's great also in a later episode. And as you can see, I'm I'm telling this from my point of view where I knew very little about the game. Because I'm like, um, yeah, two wounds, flesh wound, yes, yes, dice. Um what four up save, great. What does that what does that mean? I don't know. Like Oh, I need to roll the phone higher. Great. Because once again, that, that uh, jargon that is part of wargaming, specifically Kill Team and 40k, uh, has crept into people's normal vocabulary. And maybe we're all guilty of it. I've started becoming guilty of it now because I've been playing a bit more. And I'm no, by no means a veteran, right? But you say things, then you assume people know what they, they mean. So I, I try to just explain things as I play as well because I run through the steps in my mind so that I don't forget things and also I understand what I'm doing. Uh, so he captures the second point. I am now panicking slightly and I'm like, it's fine, I've got one. I need to, he needs to capture two more, right? It's round two. Cool. Round three, he goes for the furthest point and I'm like, cool, I'm going to try something different. I'm going to move one guy around here and try and capture this point. I'm going to cover the furthest point, oh well, on my side with two intercessors and in my reavers, I'm going to just, you know, camp them out somewhere. They're just going to be fine, all right? Um, boarding around, he shoots me again. No one dies. It's fine. And I haven't killed the model yet, eh? just so you know. And then I, he catches the third objective. And now we're tied at the end of round three. And now round four is the pivotal round here, all right? And it's insane because... I need to stop him capturing one for three rounds. Now, in retrospect, if I had positioned better, if I had played better, I wouldn't have been in this bad situation. So it's by no means my opponent's dice or any kind of OP faction thing is used. It's more, I've made a poor choice at this point. And in retrospect, it's easy to say that, but in the moment, I had no idea what I was doing anyway, and it was a learning game, so I was totally fine with that. So round four... I'm like, okay, he's going to, I think, I feel, once again, still in the mindset of like, he's going to come at me, he's going to rush me, he's going to try and kill a dude and take a point from one of my dudes. I'm like, okay, okay, that's fine. He's going to do that. And I turtle down and I'm like, cool, everyone's ready. And he literally runs one tactical marine, just advances him all the way up to the one point, the furthest one on my side of the board, on my half of the board, sorry. And he's out in the open. He's got no cover. He's within two inches of this objective. And... If I don't kill him, I lose the game. That's it. That, that, that's the, we've gotten to that point. And it's round four. So this is the pivotal moment. And this is when I realized that in light of even amazing strategic decisions and stuff, dice can still screw you, which is a part of the game. Because the dice add this extra 
layer of uncertainty and stress and um, mild panic on my part, but also the excitement of, you know, okay. So I'm shooting with an intercessor sergeant with a rapid fire one weapon. Now rapid fire one means I get an additional attack if it's a half a range. The rapid fire keyword, obviously, with the one number one there. So I get two attacks, three attacks, three attacks with my sergeant. Three. Magical. So magical. And um, I need to hit him. He's in the open. So we'll go through a basic modifier thing. So half range. I have to hit him. He's in the open. My weapon skill is three. I have to roll freeze to hit him. It's very simple, right? I roll freeze. I roll, I think, uh, well, higher than a three. All three dice higher than a three. I hit him. Now I have to roll a wound roll. I roll on, because it's three hits, I roll three wounds, uh, three dice for wounds, and um, one of them hits, because he's toughness four, and I'm, my weapon is strength four, so they're equal, and we'll go through that table as well. Four. I need a four. I hit one four on three dice. Not terrible. Thankfully, Space Marines are, the tactical Marine that he ran up there is a one wound model, so if this gets through, he dies, and I survive another round. He then proceeds to make a saving throw, which he does. I believe he rolled a six. And my heart sank because I'm like, this is the model I had that was most likely to kill this guy. Because he's in the open. I mean, how can I not shoot him? And if I don't kill him, uh, flesh wounds mean nothing at this point. I need to kill him. I then use my wounded intercessor to shoot him. And I whiff the hit roll totally. Like, terribly bad. Wow. And end of the round, he captures the point, and he's like, cool, round five, and I'm like, but there's no way I can win, because you've got four, and I've got two, and the win condition is I need to have more on the board than you, and there's no way of me putting anything back on. Obviously, now I read win conditions and strategy at the end of the game. And he's like, oh, well, good game, and I'm like, yes, it was a good game. I felt I learned actually so much, and I realized, you know, you get upset when you lose. That's, that's normal. You should be upset when you lose. You shouldn't tilt when you lose. You should be upset when you lose because assuming you've done the best you can to win, I feel you're allowed to be upset when you lose, all right? But not to the point where it makes you a bad person to be around. Just more like, ah, can't believe I lost. That's okay. But it's a good game though, and I made the best statues, and your statue was slightly better, and that's okay. And at this point, I mean, Mark has been playing killed him substantially, all right? And he plays 40k. I have no background, so I don't have an ego coming into this, I feel. I just feel like, okay, I... And there's a, a lesson here is knowledge is very important. So I had not done my research because I bought a kill team two days ago, assembled it, started this game, and I'm starting the campaign the next day, right? So I'm like, okay, it's going to be fine. going to be great. It's going to be no problems here, right? It's an easy game. You're just rolling dice. I like rolling dice. I'm a sucker for dice if you know me as a person. And um, yeah. So I lost and we went through basic things and he's like, no, we, we discussed strategy and stuff, which was really helpful, actually. And this is something that I felt has been something that's happened throughout the campaign so far. And just speaking a bit from current perspective is that people at the end of a game are willing to discuss what's happened. What could have been done better? Not not in a bad way. Not like, oh, you should just like play a different faction. No, not that. But more like, uh, like I, I do this. I do this little introspection thing where I sit and I go, okay, uh, I lost that. And I feel, and you, we'll discuss that when we get to game, I think it's game two or three of the first season, um, where I make a choice and I'm like, oh, I've made the wrong choice here. I've made a terrible decision. I have 
done this wrong and obviously retros- uh, hindsight is uh, 2020 of course and that's where you learn it's like okay I won't repeat that in my next games so that's Mark's game I learned great things like you know hit cover all those things very simple explained I mean not that I'm not Mark explained it very nicely and I'm not the dumb person but it's just like it's a new mechanic totally there's no cover in like X-Wing that I played before alright so now what happens is we move into game one of the campaign now keep in mind I've played one game of full game kill team I'm still playing my adept to start his team alright and Mark one thing he did mention was I like depth in my team meaning I've only got these models um, you can't really customize which is one of the big things with kill team is that you get your mission then you select your kill team that's appropriate to that mission and I unfortunately don't have that because I only have these six models and they all fit into 100 points and I don't have any like add-ons like plasma gun things like that so I'm playing with what I have so I play against Michael he's my game one opponent I think it's a day or two later it could be the Saturday that I played uh, Michael is from the USA very nice guy as well and great opponent to play against with regards to learning as well so I feel I scored there with regards to my first two games killed him I learned quite a bit and uh, Michael is playing what I've learned is probably the one of the most annoying factions Death Watch so if you don't know law wise the Death Watch are kill team specialists it's what they do they are part of the Ordo Xenos which is part of the Inquisition they hunt the they suffer not the alien to live uh, the other wings are obviously the Ordo Xenos, the Inquisition as the, the Grey Knights are under that as well, and the other guys who fight, I can't remember, Chamber Militant, I can't remember what the other Chamber Militant is. Anyway, so they fight aliens, that's their thing. So the, the mythos or the law behind them is that they are drawn from different chapters, so most kill teams are made up of one member from, each member will be from a different chapter, right? So that you have this uh, multidisciplinary kind of aspect to them. And if you want to explore the lore, there are some de- great Death Watch books out in the Games Workshop, Black Library um, catalog, or just read up on Death Watch on many of the wikis. And um, they'll normally have a leader who's a, obviously a leader figure from his chapter, but like it'll be Blood Angel with a Space Wolven, which is very unconventional, but because everyone has different strengths, and that's what like feeds into it. They all wear black armor, but they have the, the right pauldron, I think the shoulder pauldron is um, their chapter symbol. And the left is the the Death Watch insignia with the Inquisition thing on. They have black power armor. And they have access to the best weapons in the Imperium. This is the law-wise. And that carries over actually very well into the tabletop game because they have access to the best weapons. Close combat, range combat, everything like that. It's totally crazy, right? So, back to the game. Death Watch are very well built in Kill Team in that they can be specced for almost anything they are the best range weapons i feel and they are the some of the best melee weapons barring i think the death guard and the tyranids i think i have slightly better weapons in my very humble opinion and so it's death watch and the mission we roll is take prisoner so take prisoner and i won't forget this because it was a very tense game you need to Eliminate an enemy model that is within one inch of you or any of your models, but beyond two inches of any opponent's model. So essentially you need to isolate someone. So what's divide and conquer is the strategy, I think, in 
Sun Xu's art of war um, is where you had to corral this one guy away, kill him, and you capture that unit, and he counts as a point, obviously. And he's a normal unit, is one point. When I say normal, run of the mill guy, specialist, non specialist, doesn't matter. A leader model is three points. So obviously, the you gun for someone's leader here, it makes sense. And once again, you can see my. You, you, as we'll go through the game, and I'll explain, because I, I remember the game very well. Um, one thing I learned from the start of this game was that I hate frag cannons. Wow. Wow. So we set up, and on our board, there's this massive gantry. It's like a big walkway or gangway that's across the entire map. And it's... It's... It's where you can access it, but I mean, it covers a large part of the board, and that thing comes into play because a lot of our battles are fought there. So take prisoner, like I said, capture a guy without one of the bad guys or your opponent's models close to it. And we set up, and there's a lot of shooting. Now, the thing is interesting is that he's got, so he's picked very nice so that he can defend well enough, he can capture guys as well, it's quite cool. And he's got a black shield, and let's just point this out the black shield terrifies me, right? So he's got a storm shield, and I think it was a power mall or a power. Sword, I can't remember, but the shield is the annoying part. So he, first of all, the black shield rerolls charges. That's his ability. So much fun, right? And then the shield gives him a three up, meaning he needs to roll a three and higher. So three, four, five, six. Invulnerable save. And what an invulnerable save is, it cannot be modified by any modifier. Negative modifier. There are positive modifiers, I think, that can change it. Like, I think the Grey Knight's Warding Stave has a positive modifier that changes their invulnerable save. But, um, so you can't, AP, AP as in arm penetration, doesn't matter to him. He rolls a three and higher and he survives. It doesn't matter, right? But he's purely spec for close combat. He's perfect for this mission, right? And the rest, there were frag cannons. There's a fool with a rocket launcher. God, they're so annoying. Like Death Watch, I'm jealous. I'm not upset by them. I'm just jealous because they have some such great weapons. All right. Um, so, gets down to the point where round one we kind of move up and we're shooting. He shoots a guy. Round one kills a guy outright. The thing is, that's okay. And I've learned already from my first game. The mission requires him to be in close combat. So, I've got three reavers and three intercessors. He kills an intercessor. And I'm like, that's fine. I think he kills my common specialist. And, um... Kills kills a guy outright with a silly frag cannon, all right? And I'm like, it's okay, he's not winning. We're still on 0-0. Zero, zero. And I flank with my my Reaver Sergeant and my Combat Specialist Reaver. They're on one side of the map. Actually, I sent all three of them up there, I can't remember. My leader's tanking and hiding behind something because he's worth three points, makes sense, right? End of turn one, no one's captured anyone, he's killed an intercessor. Great, I'm a model down, it's fine, all right? Then, I'm now, if you can imagine, I'm under the walkway, or at the bottom. His black shield is at the top of the walkway, as well as the other frag cannon fool that's sitting in like a gunner's sniper nest on the other side. So he's got a full view of almost the entire battlefield. So I managed to make a charge onto his black shield. Right? And then he retreats, because he can't overwatch, but he retreats. I missed the charge with my, both my, uh, so I, I just moved the charge distance. So I move up, I'm standing in the open, it's fine. And then um, my combat specialist does the same thing. 
no, yeah, no, my commerce patients moves up versus my, no, my commerce patients charge, sorry, I'm getting confused. And my Revis Argent, he moves up. So come shooting phase, his frag cannon opens up. Thankfully, only does one wound. I'm so happy. And Reavers are two wound models, so I'm okay. I shoot and kill his, his um, black shield with my combat special. Or combat special with my sergeant. Right? Which is by some miracle. He's got a three-up save, and he rolls very badly. Right? And he can't use that um, death watch tactic called only in duty. Only in death does duty end because he's, he's a melee spec. He can't shoot me. He doesn't have a gun. Right? I don't capture that guy, I believe. And now, this is turn two, and now we have an issue because Michael's got a guy sitting in a sniper's nest. I've got two close combat guys that can reach him with a charge. I believe that's how this went. Um, I think he killed the other Reaver in the exchange who was standing in the open as well on the gantry. He just shot him and he died. All right. I still have my leader, and I have another intercessor. So I'm down to four models, right? Score still no, no, thankfully. Next round comes. I get the initiative. I charge his frag cannon with my sergeant. And he overwatches. Thankfully, he doesn't hit me. And I charge with the other gentleman as well in team. And then we beat the cat out of him. Oh, no, I'm lying. I'm lying. We charge the... Black Shield. The Black Shield doesn't die in that combat. We charge the Black Shield, and then he can't shoot into close combat. That's the good thing there. So, you know, just a tip, pro tip there. If you don't want to get shot, charge something and get to, like, you know, within an inch of it. You can't be shot. Unless your opponent's playing Tyranids and they have flesh hooks, and then they will hurt you. So, this is all happening. This crazy combat is very tense. And I don't know if I'm able to convey how tense this is, because this is, this is turn three now turn two and like it's i got a knife edge here i'm losing models he's not winning but he needs to just isolate one guy and i'm screwed so i i beat his black shield to death right grab him and that's my one point all right i managed to kill the frag cannon guy i think with the one intercessor i just shoot him and murder him across the board um so now i'm leading one one nil so i've got one point because i've captured one model right and it's very tense. And at this point, I'm like, oh, what do I do now? Like, I know I'm winning. And now I make a tactical error. And this is where Michael helps me. And I'm very thankful about this. And this is where bad habits, once again, are the problem. Stuck in that mindset of like, oh, no, you know, I have to kill everything. Because, you know, I kill more, you kill less, I win. But the entire time I've been telling myself, no, I just need to get more points. All right? And he goes, I say, okay, cool. So I'm like, can I read? Only if I charge that guy. He's like, why are you charging? And I'm like... Oh, I don't know, should reach that guy? Because his other models are now behind in cover on the other side of this walkway, and I don't think I can reach them. He's like, well, you're winning, so why are you engaging? And I was like, that's a good point. He's like, if, he said, if I was you, I would be running away. All right. So, <laughs> that makes sense. So I start to run away, which feels so foreign, because every game I've played... Up to this point, not kill team, every game, you don't run away. You don't run, tactically withdraw it. Like it hit me low, I was like, oh, it's really, this is thematically cool. You're going in, you capture this guy, and you're getting the hell out of there before the full Death Watch come there with, you know, guns and watch commanders and psychers and whatever, right? 
And then I start running away. I advance my reavers away and I make a 12-inch advance, I think, with both of them. And I'm, he's like, then he starts. Like, he was upset. And I was like, no, nah, man, it's nice. I understand. But I, I'm thankful he helped me because that, that snapped me out of this bad decision-making process. I'm like, that's not the right decision here. And he's like, no, that's the right decision. Now run away. Cool. He moves up with his models. He readies with the one, I think it's a rocket launcher of some weird heavy bolter. Kills the other intercessor guy. So I've got two reavers and my leader. I'm leading one no, and this is round four, I believe. I'm hoping the game ends here, right? So on a d6, you roll, and it's d6 is a dice with six sides. It's normal. It's gaming nomenclature. Um, I need to roll a one, two, a one with two. And the game, one, two, and three. Yeah, and the game continues on a four up. The game continues. Sorry, on the one, two, three, the game ends. And um, I obviously roll a five. Yay, great. Okay. And now we look, and now we do the fun thing of morale as well, which because uh, I've lost half my kill team and I pass all my my tests and stuff. He then advances all these guys up because I've got pistols on my reavers. I can't hurt him. My leader is too valuable for me to leave in the open so that he can charge him or get to him in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> So what happens is, there's this very tense game of cat and mouse now that's happening over turns 4, 5, and 6. And I'm spoiling that a little bit because this game goes the entire full 6 turns. And it gets e equally more terrifying each round. So, he gets two guys up on the gantry. And we're fighting it out. I've got two reavers. We're fighting against. He's got two guys and we're fighting. And they've got weapons, but they're hitting me with fucking power fists. And apologies for the swearing, but... Powerfuls and whatever, right? And um, I managed to kill a dude. No, I don't. He's got, he's got three models. I've got three models, yes. So he manages to kill in turn five. Turn four, he doesn't make his advance roll. I'm safe. I've advanced my leader across like the back end of the board. I'm like, he's running away. Six inches plus five, he's going 11. It's fine. He's hiding somewhere where you cannot charge him, right? So there's no way he's going to get the three points in that turn. Turn five. Gets the guys up on the gantry. We're in close combat. We're fighting. So I... I'd advance. Remember, I'm I'm away. He charges my reaver sergeant. Who... Unfortunately, didn't make an advance as long as my um, combat specialist. He gets him. He gets there. He's within one. And he's got two guys... And the odds are you can just kill this guy straight up because he outnumbers me. So I charge my combat specialist in, try and fight somebody there, right? That combat ends with my combat specialist dying. This is turn five, right? My combat specialist is dead, right? My reaver sergeant has a flesh wound. My leader is totally fine. There's no problem here. Right. Whew, in the round five, I'm rolling this D6 and I'm really hoping that if the game ends here, I win because we have bigger problems here. And the reason why is, I'm going to rewind 10 seconds before I roll the dice. In the morale phase, my, I don't break. My Reaver Sergeant, who's now standing alone on a gantry against two models, is shaken. So he's shaken. He's just standing there. 
He can't do anything. He can't fight back. Can't fall back. He can't do anything. With two guys that are able to beat the living crap out of him. I've got my leader. Can't shoot into melee combat because there's units there. So at best, I I tie this game. If he catches my leader, I lose this game, right? So I can't even hear my sergeant going to turn six. So I roll at the end of round five. I roll the dice. We have a round six, and I'm like, okay, cool. It was a great game so far. It's really tense. It's a tie. It's not a problem. It's going to be a tie. I'm very happy about that. I advance my lever. He goes full 12 inches. Goes across the back of the board. He can't get... There's no way he can reach me. All right? And now starts probably the most tense round of kill team I've played so far in my life. And I've only played for like, you know, seven weeks, eight weeks. And uh, he's got two guys. And he's... He's going to, I'm like pretty sure he's going to kill this guy. And there we go, we die. Because there's no one within like one of him. I can't save him. I mean, my leader can't even charge that far. I can't get that. It was a 14-inch charge. There was no way I was going to get there. All right. Um, I've got three command points. He proceeds to hit me 11 times. He makes 11 close combat attacks. All right. Uh, I'm not sure about the, the 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 loadout for these guys, but I'm sure one of them had like a weapon that did that many attacks or something. I managed to make, spoiler, 11 saves with my Reaver Sergeant. And I think I only failed the save twice. No, no I failed the save once where I tactical rerolled out of it. No, I failed another save where he did a flesh wound as well. He... Flesh wound into a tactical deal. And uh, I rolled the save. I failed one save and I re-rolled it. And that was that. Like, when I made that last roll, I was so shocked. I was like... And the first thing Michael says, like, wow, that, that was some crazy dice. And I'm like, I agree with you fully. There was no tactical strategy on my part there. I should have, by all means, lost that. All right? And because the the odds... Okay, the, it's improbable of what happened there. But it happened. It was possible. Right? And that is, and I want to thank Michael, that was the most tense kill team game I have played to date. I haven't played anything that's as tense as that. Because that had, and that, this game, I feel, cemented the fact that I, it was my first game in the campaign, cemented the fact that I'm going to enjoy kill team. Because the amount of pressure, because we have to get close to each other, but we can't isolate one guy, but we need to isolate your one guy. My guy doesn't need to be isolated. That's the really dangerous part. And I felt like every decision, every single decision you make, pivotal. Everything. Every dice roll, when you spend a command point, everything like that is so, so pivotal. It's insane. Like, you you make one... Like, if I had missed a, a, a save there, would have been a draw. And that's it. And I was just thankful that I could get my leader out of combat. But I mean... Without a fail, most stressful, most enjoyable game of Kill Team I've ever played in my life. And I'll thank Michael for that. So that was my first game of Kill Team in the campaign. And I mean, I've been doing this bad trip now. It's not perfect because, I mean, I don't have an idiotic memory. But those that game will always stand out for me as like one of the most tense games. The other games that stand out for me, which we'll get to in the next episode or the following episode, which stand out for different reasons because I like to look at games and learn something from them. And with Michael's game... Strategic decisions was the big thing. I mean, if he had not reminded me that I should just leave, why would I even be there? 
make I mean I would have lost that game early on because I was gonna like ready to gung ho, run into combat and no problem. And also another thing I picked up in the game was you don't if you, the guy needs to capture people, you can just suicide people like just have them knocked out. It's totally fine as long as they're within one of another friendly model. They're totally fine. The opponent doesn't score a point for that, and that is amazing because you're playing the scenario, which is something he said during the game. You play play the scenario. You're playing the mission. You play towards the win condition. Doesn't matter. You play for that win condition. So that's my two, the two first games of Kill Team. So I went from very novice to still very novice. And somehow pulled a win against Death Watch in the first game, which is very weird. And I felt Mike went a bit easy on me. I don't know. But, uh, well, to be honest, he didn't with his frag cannon. Jeez, that thing's terrifying. Wow, that thing just murders things. Anyway, so that's my first two games of Kill Team. Now, I'm going to end off there. We're going to stop, stop the podcast there because that's quite long. Uh, battle reports are quite intense even in a six round game like kill team right unless as we get later i'll explain games that end much earlier because <laughs> you can retreat as well and that like the learning curve has been so it feels steep but it's actually not it's more forgiving than a lot of other games with regards to the learning curve and i think once you develop and you understand why things are done and why people do certain things why you choose certain things the rationale that makes you a better player. And I feel, after these two games of Mark and Michael, I felt I had improved. I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better experience because that's given me a great baseline to work from. Obviously, they didn't cover everything, but it was a great baseline to work from. And as we'll see in like future episodes, as I discuss like my bat rips and stuff, why things get worse for me and how they sometimes get better as well. So we'll end off the podcast there. It's been a great cast, guys. It's been quite long. I apologize for it being so long. It is about just over 45 minutes at this point, uh, unedited. Um, maybe edited, depending on how I feel um, and how much time I have. Uh, so the spoiler for the next episode, we'll be discussing my game too, but we're also going to the phases of Kill Team and why they're important, what you do in each phase. Just very basically, nothing too fancy. And... My experience with regards to, I think game two and three we might be able to combine because they're both not too terrible. Okay, so that's the end of episode one of the Tactical Reroll podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Knox, and um, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for listening, and thank you for being here with this journey that I'm taking through Kill Team. And I'm hoping that, you know, even you're a veteran, if you're a new player, I'm really hoping to help you out here because... You know, tips and things I've learned that you can learn also. But if you're a veteran and I've said something, you know, that you feel like, oh, we can add to that or no, I don't think that's quite how that works. Feel free to send your opinion, criticisms, any kind of questions or anything to tacticalreadal.gmail.com and you just send it to us. And we'll, we'll do a listener show eventually where we have all the listener questions and all comments, criticisms and stuff. And eventually we will have guests on. Just scheduling is a bit difficult now because, like I said, it's the end of the year. So once the new year starts, we'll start with that. So ending off here, once again, I want to thank uh, Panamon again for sponsoring the podcast with regards to bandwidth, recording space, equipment. I'd ask you to please re- leave a review for us on iTunes because it does help us, you know, help the visibility of the podcast rather than me actually making money. More the visibility of the podcast that gets out there so people can see it. And send all your comments, questions, like I said earlier, tacticalreadal at gmail.com. Uh, we don't have a Facebook page or social media of any sort yet. The email is more how I interact, uh, which is much easier for me. But eventually we'll get up on that 
and that is the plan. Once again, thank you guys for listening to episode one of the Tactical Deal podcast, and we will see you at the next episode.